Welcome everyone, you were listening to it, perhaps watching Hot Sauce Sports. I'm assuming I'm on because once again, I did not get a countdown. I hate this. This pandemic is terrible. I am Pizel Rees. I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, the cap adorning, Terry Tam. If I take this hat off, I will be... I'm sweating from... I just came back from boxing. I'm sweating. My hands stink. I swell. My girlfriend hates me, but thankfully she helped me build this, uh, this new office that I like, that it's in my bedroom also, just letting you know. So, so um, when I'm hearing that, it sounds like you're talking about boxing, but also you can use the same thing to just describe masturbation. Yeah, that so you, I mean... She hates you, a, you're sweating, she helped you build an office. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you, it's open to interpretation at this point, you know what I mean? So you can figure it out. People people have their own minds, uh, peace. That's true, they do have their own minds. Yeah, yeah. That is factual. Uh, a person on our show with his own mind is our producer, the Eagle on Master Control. Eagle, how's it going? Hello. And yes, I do think for myself, I am not part of the hive mind. Um, well, we're counter hive mind. As a, as a show, we like to make fun of things in pop culture and in sports. Wait, Most... does that mean we think the same? Are we hive mind? Yes, we're, we're a different hive mind. We're a separate hive mind, like double hive. How uh, many hive minds in a mind? Um, well, it depends, because if you're mindless, none. <laughs> so the, uh, the, um, we, we did bring on someone today, though. We're going to talk to someone later today. Uh, they have an approach to betting and gambling, uh, sports gambling specifically, um, that's going to, uh, quote-unquote, change your life. Andrew Pace of, uh, in, sorry, in Eagle. Play in Play Live. In Play Live, that's good. In Play Live, they're going to be joining us. Uh, was him and a uh, a faithful subscriber, a testimonial, Brendan Kyler. Um, I have to be honest, I, I had my doubts going in. You know me, Terry, I'm very skeptical about everything. everything. Um, and I was like, everyone claims to have a system, but um, in the conversation we haven't had yet, I learned that, um, <laughs> hey, you know what? There's something to this. Um, it's interesting. He is looking at sort of mar- the same type of market inefficiencies that we see in, in baseball and basketball that, that change the game completely. So if those can exist in-game, why can't they exist in in-game betting? And that's sort of their approach. And that's the thing is like, yeah, so I was a little skeptical a, a bit too because I don't really know what it was. But when somebody tells you, hey, dude, get ready. You're going to make some money watching sports. It's I'm always like, okay, uh, I don't believe you. And <laughs> because I've been watching sports since I was five and I haven't I'm, – I'm probably in a negative at this point. <laughs> oh, I can guarantee you. I feel like, like I haven't watched any sports. I feel like I haven't watched sports in a really long time. The last thing I kind of watched was Saturday Night Live. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, Dave Chappelle w- had his opening monologue. He hosted Saturday Night Live. Eagle, thank you for getting us on track and for reading the script. As usual. I love that he, he preambled with, I haven't watched sports in a long time, and we both know that. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's like it was a it was the best bad segue ever. Yeah, Eagle was yeah. just a good teammate right there. Eagle, yeah. Eagle, He's you know that game where like where Clay Tom- where Clay Thompson like dribbled twice and scored thirty seven points. That's yeah. Eagle's life. That's Eagle's life a thousand percent. I wrote a blog about how Taysom Hill is the ultimate plug. Like he's they call him the Swiss Army knife because he can do everything. Eagles are Swiss Army knife. Eagle is hey, our. Man, I'll, uh, I'll plug you whenever like, you want. <laughs> and he you is need a fucking. To get that t shirt for you, Eagle. I'll plug you whenever you want. That's a good one. So, uh, did you have a chance to watch the Dave Chappelle intro on? Uh, I did. I, I watched just. The, I haven't seen the episode, which uh, I will watch. I think you can catch it on Global or whatever it is. Uh, but I watched the monologue on YouTube, and um, 
can't disagree with a lot of the things he said. I mean, he, the thing about Dave Chappelle is that he, you know, he has a certain way of delivering something that makes sense to everybody. I don't care what side you're on. You know what Correct. I mean? And, so they, that's the cool yeah. thing. It's like um, when, when you hear Dave Chappelle on SNL right after the election, you're like, this is going to be divisive. But it it really wasn't. like Especially the way he ended it too, you know? Yeah, like because you kind of have to be an asshole to disagree, right? Like yeah. he's not saying anything negative about anyone really. He's just making observations that are clever and are largely funny. And and the thing that the, the thing that's happened with Dave Chappelle since he's returned uh, from his uh, time away when he he went to he quit the Chappelle show went to Africa did the whole thing when he's come back his whole outlook's been different and and he returned to an atmosphere where literally our best journalists are largely comedians which is a strange a strange turn of events but also he's the next level kind of of comedian right like he's yeah. he's kind of that richard pryor level george oh, he's one of the best comedians of all time absolutely like like you know if Top you want to do mount rushmore it's hard to build a mount rushmore of comedians without dave chappelle but he's also become sort of the the philosopher of our age like it, it's i don't even know how that happened and i was marveling at the not only the 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 types of jokes but the degree of difficulty on jokes because he's making jokes about covid and about about the presidency about the election but on live syndicated TV, on live syndicated TV while smoking, <laughs> and he didn't he didn't take any of the easy bait, right? Because there's so many easy jokes to make. Uh, there's so many easy jokes to make about uh, Donald Trump refusing, you know, uh, to concede, right? There's so many jokes about the voter fraud. Like it wasn't about he he, st- he felt like he was gonna go down those holes, and then he would take like a 90 degree turn and make a joke about something else that's kind of related. But it's not the thing you were thinking he was doing. And I just – I find that manipulation of words and, and ideology is just brilliant. I, 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 people were complaining about it because it wasn't like you're going to laugh for, for 16 straight minutes. But I thought just in terms of obser- observational interest and the difficulty of landing those jokes I thought was absolutely incredible. I, I was going to say the one thing that caught me off guard is that some of that stuff was extremely difficult like you said. And you can kind of tell it was still a work in progress. Like the setup and the punchline was there, but it was sometimes a little bit too subtle. So, you know, some of them kind of fell flat. There was one about the women not making enough money, the 50 cents one. That like <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know what you're getting at, but I don't get it. And I had to like really process hard. So, and by then he's on to the next one. So the I best think, part of yeah, that one too, is- it was a little bit fresh that he has to also work on cleaning the material yeah so i think it's because the, the material is so fresh because of the situation is so well, fresh yeah, a lot of these comedians they, they had the announcement of the presidency that morning it, right yeah. so he had like 10 hours to write the jokes but also the the the, the his jokes yeah they're 10 hours but these jokes usually they take months to perfect you know i mean these comedians it's not they make a, they come up with a joke and it's funny they work at it for months and months and months and the whole thing with that with that joke was was really funny. He's then at the end. He's like, he's like, I don't know if it's fifty percent or seventy percent, but it's too much. You know. Yeah, I mean? yeah. I love. I, I was, like, I w- that joke made my wife laugh so hard. It's fucking a joke. But he. But the yeah. thing, the thing is, what he said, and he talks about Trump, and he's like, how he makes these jokes, and he said the kung flu virus, and he's like, motherfucker, is like, I should be saying that joke, not you, because you're racist, but you're still. You know, it's fucking funny as shit. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> it's still it's, funny. It's, but you shouldn't be saying it. It's my job, not yours. You shouldn't be saying yeah. it. Yeah. So um, the thing is, um, in in watching it, and, and I was reflecting on this, Terry, because we had on comedian Ben Cardilli uh, during the the pandemic, and we had sort of some long form interviews during the pandemic, which I thought was like a really cool idea. And it's you know, given the, the sort of the, the Zoom and and Skype interactions we've been having, 
Um, it lends to long-form interviews in a different way than when we're both in the studio. Um, and when we talked to Ben Cardilli, um, he, we talked a lot about sort of the, the, the process of writing jokes. And I've always found that really interesting. And there's things that I'll bring up on the podcast. And it's like, I know for myself, it's a joke that I've been working on and writing and, and refining sort of like, like over time and it takes sort of weeks to come to, to come to shape. And then like, I then need to find the topic that fits that joke. Right. Um, and, and similarly, uh, when you see a guy like Dave Chappelle, what I find interesting is most comedians will write material and tour that material for a year, for two years. Dave Chappelle had his Netflix show and then a Netflix, um, then another Netflix, uh, series. Then he had, um, th that talk on YouTube about George Floyd. And then he had this, and then he was on David Letterman. And it's just like, he has, okay, the themes are very similar because that's what's going on in the world today, but he has new jokes, he has new material. Every time you see him, that's incredibly difficult to do. That's incredibly difficult to do. Uh, there's very few people that can do it, and him and Bill Burr are the two that are yeah. constantly just the most consistently funny guys that they're, 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 they're current all the time. They're always current. And they break it down to like where, where you what they're saying is you can't refute. Yeah. Because what they're saying is factual. And they say it's so fucking funny. Their delivery is unbelievable. They're literally masters and black belts at, at being comedians. It's, it's I always crazy. I always liked Louis C.K.'s delivery, but then he yeah, took me the wrong thing. way. So well, hey so like, the thing the thing that was great about Louis C.K. was that, that he, he touched off on in some front of really touch areas that was like, wow. I can't believe you can write it. Writing that kind of joke is really difficult. But then when you find out he's actually a creep, it makes it difficult <laughs> to deal with, right? Well, I mean, how much of a creep is he? He's just like, stand over there and I'll just jerk off right here. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, well, you know. You don't have to stand there. It's like, what, he's, he's not holding you down. <laughs> no. I mean, he did ask, right? Yeah. Yes, of, of, but... of all the canceled, canceled comedians, he's probably the one that was like the most polite about it. He yeah, he is. Like... No, I'm sure there's a Canadian canceled comedian. comedian. They'd probably be more more polite, I guess, um, yeah. but um, so 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 yeah. So I, I found I found that to be particularly interesting. Um, I thought I thought it was I thought it was great. Honestly, I, I really enjoyed it. I remember uh, hearing someone once talk about Martin Luther King and said, "Well, the reason why you don't hear people dispute Martin Luther King the way the same way they'll dispute anyone else talking about racial injustice is if you dispute Martin Luther King, you're kind of just a dick. Like there's nothing he said." That could possibly be interpreted as like, nope, that's too far. You're wrong. Dave Chappelle kind of is like, it's weird to compare him to Dr. Martin Luther King, but like, it kind of feels like he speaks to both sides in a way that, um, again, you can't really contradict. It's it's factual. It's funny. You might not find it funny, but you know what he's going for. You know what he's trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I think that Dave Chappelle is he's very. It's what it is. It's on the forefront. There's nothing behind it, and. I mean, you can't you can't question the somebody else's um, let's say truth. You know, what I mean, he speaks in very. This is what my experience was, and let me. He he tells a story, and in that story, it's you. If you're disagreeing with his story, then you're just an idiot because you're that ignorant. You know, Terry. You know what you el what else you can't disagree with? The news. The news. <laughs> it's time for the news. Ah, 
Terry is the news. Nope. <laughs> well, it is. It's not the news. Um, Big Big Ben of uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, um, he came down with COVID, and the first thing that struck to me was I'm surprised because um, he's not usually good at getting things like um, consent. <laughs> My wife just walked in, and her reaction was, "Jesus Christ, <laughs> you're not you're not gonna let it go." I guess huh? so. That and the NCAA, I'm never going to stop. Never, never. never um, stop. So, how did he get it, and how is nobody on the Cowboys affected by it so, so far? He didn't actually get it, right? He was put on like the injured reserve or whatever. Uh, he was in contact with people. So, okay. I mean, see, they, they, see how loose they are with these fucking COVID cases, man. Well, I don't no, believe they it. Have a, they have a protocol, so they they test people so to prevent spread. Anyone who came into close contact has to go on the list and has to pass a protocol. So they're not claiming he has COVID. They're saying he may have and needs to go through testing. Okay. All right. That's fair. So what's interesting, though, is you ask how he got it. My question is um, if he knew he was getting it from someone he shouldn't be. But anyway, that's, not, that's neither here nor there. Um, the thing is, uh, what, what, the, the one thing I, found suspicious, I find suspicious about the, the NFL is – they keep saying how there's no on-field transmission. And I don't know a lot about big bodies smashing into each other except on Saturday nights. But I will say it's hard to believe that they don't get stuff from each other. Especially when they're like piled on top of each other and the spit is flying everywhere. Um, you know what it is? It's because they don't exchange jerseys anymore. That's what, that's that's what it is. They don't the put NFL said, yeah, you can't swap jerseys. Yeah, you can't swap don't jerseys. Remember, don't remember, eh? they have those little like things that like vibrate when you're too close to someone or whatever it is. So, you know, when everyone starts colliding at the line, then they all just dissolve and go back to their benches and so, it's all good. So I'm gonna, I have a question. This COVID alert thing in Quebec where, where you can register the app, where you can register and you can see if yep. you were in 15, 15. It's Canada. It's not Quebec, by the way. Oh, Canada, whatever. Well, I'm not doing that. Conspiracy theorist tinfoil hat is telling me I'm not putting my sh- my fucking more information out there. They already have enough. They don't. So need I know a developer is working on it. It's actually it's actually very anonymous in a way that, like, I'm always worried about things spying on me because I'm a crazy person. But to be honest, um, given the fact that I freely put all sorts of my garbage on Twitter and Facebook, there's not a lot of stuff about me that's not known. So. Um, I did ask about it. I did ask, and and um, there's not a lot of tracing that's involved in that. It's it's really it it, it really uh, takes a whole bunch of codes and and looks at whether or not your code has come into someone else's code that has been contaminated. It, it's not it's not looking at you specifically. It's not tracking your location. It's not using your GPS data and so on and so forth. Well, I know I mean, that factually to be the case. Okay. All right. So I guess I feel a little more comfortable with it, but I'm still not doing it. I don't, honestly, you had, you I was, had these I, I was 100% with you, Jerry. And you didn't ask me? Like, really? <laughs> no, no, but no, but I, cause the thing is, like, I, I was actually 100% with Terry. I, was, I had all the same reservations, but I know someone who's currently working on it. And it's actually really impressive in a way that I, I got kind of hard. And I didn't think a software about pandemic tracing would get me hard. If, if you think you got hard, you should have seen me. Well, to be fair, we know about your tripod, Eagle, so no one gets that hard. Yeah, yeah I, I, see, I see your fruit roll up tucked in your tight jeans. Yeah, Thanks, those man. jeans are so tight, by the way. <laughs> so tight, especially around <laughs> that area. I, but I will say, to the, Eagles, to the Eagles' defense, they're only tight on the cock. 
Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Around so, that area. So So it's not the genes that are the issue. It's the cock. Keep you away from my girlfriend, Eagle. I know. She already has a crush on you. Imagine. I'm coming exactly. for you. <laughs> exactly. Um, guys, I hate to say this, but uh, I think Phil Rivers is getting old. I think he's he got old a couple years ago. Well, but, so but, what's, impressive, what's impressive, though, is don't forget, he's the same age as, as, as uh, Eli Manning, right? Yeah. So um, the fact that Eli looked so bad for so long and Phil Rivers is only kind of starting to look bad is kind of impressive. But the thing is, he already, had no, he already had no motion in his throwing motion. Like, he already had no flexibility in that shoulder. Now it just looks even worse. You know what yeah. I mean? And he fell down on that interception the other day. <laughs> it's like, I love you, Rivers, man. But, you know, I think it's, it's time. I think it's maybe, time. The, maybe the California climate kept him young, and now that he's in Indy, it's uh, all falling apart. Oh, oh, for maybe, sure. Maybe that's, maybe that's why, like, Peyton Manning left, right, and went to Denver and everything, because the air is crisper and everything. Maybe he lives longer, and he was like, yeah, Indy, I'm going to die here. Indianapolis or is where people the, go the to medicinal die marijuana. of boredom. That too? Indianapolis is where people go to die of boredom. I think uh, marijuana is legal in Indiana. I think they have the same system as Colorado. So I will, I will say I don't know a lot about Indianapolis. I, will, I, I do know one thing. A lot of pickup trucks. Whether or, not, whether or not drugs are legal in Indianapolis, it does not prevent you from getting them anywhere <laughs> at all. At Even all. if they're legal here, I can still go across the street right now and get some. That's true. That's for true. real. There's a depth across the street that I, for sure, you can just ask for any kind of drug. I went to that depth last week. So the one in front of my house. Yeah, I got sparkling water. How how ghetto is it? It's pretty ghetto. It's pretty bad, huh? And it but smells. Like, you see bad. Well, you like, walk feel... you walk in there and it's like it just like there's like this musk that hits you. Yeah, it's foggy. Can, can yeah you know yeah it's foggy because that place is foggy. Very foggy. I don't yeah. know what it is. I, I think they I think the it's people foggy. used to smoke in there and the smoke just stayed there. Yeah, it, it, he never opened the door, so it just sort of lingered. So that's what happens. Um, yeah, they're good people, though. They are. They are. Honestly, it was, it was, it, those places are the lifeblood of our community. Of course. Um, how fucked was it to see Kyle Allen get that injury on FedEx Field a, a year and a week after Alex Smith suffered his his injury, um, and then like it looked pretty bad. Like it looked. Similar, it's a broken leg, same kind of thing. His, his ankle rough. just tur- looked turned the other way. It was it was really disgusting, and I feel bad for Kyle Allen because he was Kyle Allen's like he's gonna be. He's kind of reminds me a bit of Alex Smith, where it's like he's good, but is he like he, he's not good enough to stay in a system? So it looks like he's gonna just gonna be bouncing around for the next couple of years until he eventually just fades out, becomes a becomes an offensive coordinator or something. That's basically what I see him doing, or becoming but, a very good golfer. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like there's there's certain quarterbacks that we just have an affinity for because a they seem like genuinely nice people. Yeah. B they don't they're not like threatening to any other teams. Not so Mason like, Rudolph. Mason Rudolph's an asshole. You can tell. Yeah, he's an asshole. No, but like I mean, like Ryan, Fitzpa- Ryan Fitzpatrick is in that is in that. Great. Uh, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, like all these guys who like they won't they won't threaten your like you see them in in a room you're like you're not taking my girl you're okay, and at the same time. You're not you're not beating my team. It's okay. Like you're fine. I, I, I'll I'll stream you for a weekend fantasy. It's okay. That's it exactly. I mean, um, I like Kyle. Allen. I mean, I hope it turns out well for him. But he'll be back. He's a young guy, so and he's good enough. So it's it's crazy the amount of injuries that are happening this year. And to add on top of that, all the COVID situations and the fact that they added an eighth team. I don't know if that's the next topic, but they added an, uh, another team in the uh, in the into the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting this year. So I, I saw that. It's actually not in the script, so we'll talk about it now. Um, I, I set up a segue with fantasy, but whatever. Let's just jump into another thing. Skip. Um, 
so when you see this and you see so first of all there was a seventh team added and for the first time ever terry for the first time in like 20 years i saw this graphic on the screen that said um projected to meet the playoffs miami dolphins in the seventh team i was like oh my god they extended the playoffs just for Miami to get in. I'm honored. So, um, so, so just just to explain, because I actually haven't seen these yet. First seed gets a bye, two play seven, three six, four five, and then it's oh. top four. No, it was it was, oh. it was a play in game. Um, for eight, two, seven two, and eight. Seven. And now they're adding the eighth team. So once they add the eighth team, I think it's just going to be a straight playoff. But it's not going to be a one to eight. I think they're going to no? have. A, you might have two bye weeks. Uh, I think the, I think you, uh, there's potential that some teams might have two bye weeks. So you'll have a week one will be a bye week. Then you'll drop down to for the top two teams. Then you'll drop down to six, and then those top two teams get another bye week. And then you get to four. So if you finish in the top two, then you're potentially getting two bye weeks, which is I don't know if that's an advantage. I just I just don't get it. Why are you Why are they doing this for? You're making this should, even longer. So you're creating the idea, more potential. It's for not injury. that. It's it's about it's about game checks because you need to remember Eagle that. The NFL is a unionized environment. It's so people think of, of football teams as private entities that can do whatever they want, but it doesn't work that way. The teams and the players have an almost equal share, not quite at the same level as the NBA, but but there is there is kind of like a, a discussion to be had on all these issues, and um, the players want more games to be played to a degree where they make more game checks, right? And so if COVID risks them losing money, it's easy to agree to them to playing more games, and then the NFL can sell more ad money. So I'm looking I- now, there's three wildcard games. So there's six teams playing that. So the top two would get the buy. And then there's um, two, four, six, eight. There's eight teams left. Uh, sorry, there's four teams left in the divisional round. So, yeah, yeah so you basically you're getting two bye weeks. That's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. I, I, it's not an advantage. I'd rather finish third. Uh, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. Um, so Chris Carson had an interesting um, reaction to fans and um, fantasy players criticizing him for missing a game because he's injured. Terry, uh, you've you've played, you know, not not professional football. At all, but you you played college you played Canadian college football, right? Like yes. you played CJF football. Yes. Um, I think it's fair to say if a football player says he's hurt, it's not because he doesn't want to play. Yeah. Football players want to play, but if they're if they're physically unable to go, like they're warriors, if they can't go, it's it's hard to call a football player soft. Am I right? So two things. One is if I message Chris Carson, I know he's going to answer. <laughs> Yo, uh, we should ask him to come on the show. Yeah. Two. Um, those guys, a lot of those messages were funny. It's like, hey, yeah. dude, you're ruining my team. You're ruining the Carson name. Get off your ass. Like, it's a lot funny. And I think that he's probably more frustrated with the whole situation that he lashed out like this. And w- what do these guys expect? Are you going to talk shit to a professional athlete like that gives every- that's given his entire life to the sport and he can't play because he's injured or whatever the case may be, and he's not going to act that way? Those guys are the types of guys that go into bars and yell at the TV in the middle, in the, middle of the fucking game because they think they're the only guy that cares about their fantasy team. They're the guys that t- t- are in a fantasy league or two fantasy leagues and tell the other fantasy league, oh, in my other league, this is what I have. Well, yeah. people don't really care about what you have. Those are the types of guys that message Chris Carson, not normal human beings. Yeah. Assholes so, that don't care about we, anything. We, we both, we have a, co- we have a friend in common 
who is very much like this, will insult celebrities and uh, athletes. Um, and I always look. Yeah, he, he recently got banned from Facebook. Um, so uh, a seven day suspension. He shares your heritage. Oh, really? Oh, he's banned from Facebook? Yeah, for like a week. I didn't um, know that. So it's what's funny. interesting, what's interesting though, is um, I always look at people like that and I'm just like, I can't, I, I can't put myself in a scenario where, where I would angrily message someone I don't know and criticize their work. So like, imagine like after the OJ trial, you, you message like the prosecutor be like, how could you not put him behind bars? What's wrong with you? Or like, um, you know, you hear that a sixth grade teacher forgot to bring crayons. Like, bitch, how can you do that? Like, like <laughs> what kind of person do you need to be to attack someone who wants to do their job well and like, you know, just is unable to on that day? Like, if you took a sick day from work, Terry, at Hot Sauce Sports, and <laughs> someone was like, what, motherfucker, you let peace go on by himself? You're a piece of garbage. You're soft. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, imagine we get chirped like that. Oh, I actually, you know what I do in some of my articles because my articles are just there's no proofreading. Yeah, and there's very fact checking involved, so I get ripped on all the time. Dude, this article's dog shit. Okay, like, all right. thanks for reading. You know, thanks for the click. The thing I got ripped on the most, by the way, was seeing that Cam Newton would sign with the Patriots. <laughs> that I got, I got hammered for that. And like, of course, look where he signed. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> um. Did you watch the Tampa Bay Bucks Saints game? Yes, I did. It was hard. It was hard. It was like, hard to watch. Yeah, but the thing is, is that I, we you kind of expect this to happen with Brady this year. It's like he's old, and no matter how good he is as an old man, he's still old, and he's gonna have these games. But the where Brady excels is the playoffs. He doesn't excel in those random games in the middle of the season. Yeah, okay, it doesn't it didn't look good for the Bucks against the Saints both games this year. But what are the chances they play each other in the playoffs? You know what I mean? Yeah. I heard, I heard, uh, I think it was Dan Levitard of ESPN once say, like, the way aging happens is it doesn't happen all at once, especially with quarterbacks, is that they can still, con- quarterbacks and basketball players, they can still conjure up a semblance, like, they can, they can bring out a good game, they can bring out a moment, right? Um, but can they string it together? And that's kind of what you're seeing with, with Philip Rivers, but like, Philip Rivers is secretly 76 years old, um, where like it's it's just all falling apart. But like there's still moments, like there's still throws where you see Philip Rivers are like, yeah, that's a Hall of Famer throw, man. Like you 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 are what you are. But like like Tom Brady has the those moments where a couple of, a couple of weeks ago he forgot it was fourth down, or the ball that doesn't get to the sideline where he thinks it's going there and it gets picked. And it, it, like I remember, I I learned that lesson as a Dolphins fan, uh, praising everything that was Dan Marino in my youth, right? And Dan Marino, in retrospect, probably hung on two or three years too long. And in that last playoff game where he's making a throw that he's made a thousand times in his life, where his brain just goes there and says, that's open. I'm throwing right there. That's open. And the ball gets intercepted five yards too short. That's the brain. The the, the, the NFL uh, caliber brain is still there. But the arm is fading, the body's fading, the legs are fading, and, 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 and you're he's, seeing he's that a little bit with Brady. Even though he's put up these these great numbers, he's still not capable of doing all the things he could do when he was younger. 
he's been able to 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 extend his career because of the way he takes care of his body and his health and all that stuff. But you know, it gets to a certain point. Like with fighters, it's the the thing that they, the first they always say the first thing to go is your chin, and with the quarterbacks, the first thing to go is your arm. It's legit. The first well, thing to go is your arm. It's it's legs, right? So like your legs well, die, so your arm dies. It's not not necessary. He's not like really really a running uh, running yeah, running back. Saying, stuff, like, like, like legs in terms of like being able to step into throws and. Oh, really okay, maybe yeah. So the first thing you do is the, is your power to throw because you know you, you your arm is just dead from literally 30 years of doing the same motion over and over again you know and no matter how much treatment you do i think brady he's finally looking human and well he was never like he, he had a couple of years of like the 50 tds and stuff but for the most part brady was always like st- statistically just an ab- above average quarterback statistically he just with two points he does well in the delivered playoffs. in the biggest moments right and he's probably going to deliver in the big moments this year as well. He's not going to just yeah. sit back and say, "Oh, my arm is not good." And he's going to play next year too, and he's going to play fine next year too. He's not going to he's not going to end his career throwing ten touchdowns and twenty interceptions. That's not going to happen. Maybe, but I I see the Dan Marino thing on the horizon where yeah. the ego is bigger than the arm at one point, right? Yeah, I mean the guy um, really he changed his face. He plastic surgery his face. So. Yeah, the, the ego is there. Like we know it's there. Um, <laughs> The the one thing I did love about this game is, is I think Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is kind of awesome in the same way Nicolas Cage is awesome. Like Nicolas Cage is not. I'm going to say this one time, and I'll never admit to saying this again. Nicolas Cage is not one of America's greatest thespians. I know, I know, I know, I know. Give me a second. You're a terrorist. I know, but we love him. Like, like I like. If you ever take Nicolas Cage away from me, I will punch you in the dick. Like right yeah. on the. Right on the tip. Right, he's right making a movie. He's making a movie about, I think, a jiu-jitsu movie. He made it. He made it. He I did? Haven't watched it yet. Oh, he, no. I haven't watched it yet. It's got to be scared. amazing. I'm scared. I'm scared. It, it, it's called Kick in 60 Seconds. But, but there's no kicking in jiu-jitsu. It's, it's called Punch in 60 Seconds. There's no punching in jiu-jitsu. It's called Jitsu in 60 Seconds. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of jitsu in jiu-jitsu. Nice! <laughs> jutsu, uh, j- there's a lot of jitsu is literally 50% of jujitsu. It's true. It's at least half. At, at least, least half. half. If, if you count by letter, it's more. Um, <laughs> but, but James Winston's kind of becoming the Nicolas Cage of the NFL. Like, like we love James Winston. Because if you're watching the game, if James Winston comes on red zone, you know something awesome is about to happen. It's not a seven yard out. It's a pick six or it's a it's a touchdown. There's no there's no other way about it. And and we all made fun of him. On this show, we made fun of him eating the W and he does it in the locker room after this game. Did you see his, I, his pregame warm-up? Sorry? Did you see his pregame warm-up? Yeah, the salsa yeah. dance, Dak Prescott style. Yeah, yeah. I po- I posted it on, on the hot sauce on the hot sauce account. It was cringeworthy to watch. And then that W, he didn't do he didn't go full W though. Because yeah. on the the original clip, he's like, "I want this," and he uh, he starts like deep throwing it. This one, he just kind of like kissed it a bit. Just know? a tip, just a tip, just a tip, just a tip. So, he, but I, at least I think he's aware. He. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. so like Nicholas Cage at this point, he knows that yeah. like we're laughing with him, right? Exactly. And, and like, so I, I feel like James Winston, like he's bought in. Where like some guys would just take it to heart, get angry. Like like Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf would just kick someone in the face. In the but face. like. The, when you see someone just taking on that persona, you gotta love it. Yeah. Um, the opposite of this is Tony Larusa. <laughs> Tony, Tony Larusa doesn't get it. He doesn't get Tony Larusa has not yet been fired by the White Sox. When he got hired, I I was like, okay, well, 
Renteria did a good job with them last season. Yeah. And then he gets fired in favor of LaRusso, and I was like, why? And then I was reading something where they talked about Tony LaRusso being the opposite of the analytics scam. Like, Tony LaRusso started this movement. He was the guy who brought in arms off the bullpen. He was the guy bringing in setup men and then the closer. Like, all the things you've come to hate about baseball – it started with Tony Larusa, like pitch management because, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because he's he's so old, you assume he's old school. But it, he's the he's the beginning of the new school and and the worst version of the new school. So the thing about Tony Larusa is I I uh, I consider him just like kind of like the Masters. You know how you win the Masters, you can play forever. Like Mike Weir is playing this weekend, and he has no he should have no business being on the court. I mean, he on the court on the on on the course. And Tony Russo is the same thing. There should be like a statute of limitations. Like when you retire or there sh- you should be like you have five years to come back. And in those – if you don't come back in those five years and you have X amount – like there should be like a success rate to keep you active basically. You have to earn the right to coach. You can't be hired 10 years from now using the same fucking things. And you can't be hired when you're 75, 80 years old because you're probably going senile. You know what I mean? Like on the Masters this weekend, I'm watching Mike Weir, Phil Mickelson, Fred Couples. They're all playing. And they're all not going to win. Bubba Watson also not going to win. Like, well, Bubba Watson at least he's more recently a winner in 2015. I understand, but like, just 17. Sorry, three years ago. Bubba Watson won like two years after his prime, and like now it's that was like four years ago. So he's he's like 2017. He won 2017 three years ago. But that's what I'm saying. Like, but like he's he's now almost a decade out of his prime. Like it was it was a surprise when he won. He's not that old. Isn't he? Bubba Watson. I feel like he's like probably our age, closer to our age. Yeah, that's not great though. Like it's not, it's not a golfer to be thirty-five years old isn't bad. Well, now I mean, it is. Now, now, now you see the, the, the youth movement, right? Yeah. yeah. But anyways, we, when you eagle eagle get his age while you can, but uh, in the meantime, um, when Tony Larusso was arrested, he screamed out to the, uh, the the police officer, "Don't you know who I am? My goodness." It's How the ultimate. Still it's the that? ultimate. My dad's gonna sue you. You know. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> man, it was just the the height of privilege, and and it, it made me think. Um, I don't know about you, Terry, but when I'm mega drunk in public, which is far too often, often. Um, my you, first I mean, call is the Eagle to get me home. <laughs> I don't drive myself. I, I Eagle produce a car to get me home. Legit, yeah. the quote he had was, do you see my ring? I'm a Hall of Famer baseball person. Uh, I'm legit. I'm a Hall of Famer brother. You're trying to embarrass me. That's what he said. Ima- just imagine. So, just imagine. I'm trying to embarrass like, you because you're driving drunk and potentially killing people that live in the city of the team that you're trying to coach. I did, I did, I did get a, target ad, a targeted ad today from Barstool Sports, and it was a T-shirt that said, I'm a Super Bowl. Uh, this is a Super Bowl ring, brother. <laughs> and I, it was just genius. I love those guys, man. I love it, man. Um, they know what they know what to do. That's for sure. The the, the um, but but like honestly, eagle like like is it surprising to you that Tony Larusa doesn't have an eagle? Yes, I mean, I mean, granted, maybe he likes to drive, but yeah, you should. I mean, in the age of Uber, you should absolutely have a private driver if you're that big in terms of the fuck you money. Like it makes no sense. Like I'm gonna do a lot of things wrong in my life. Don't get me wrong. So Bubba is 42 years old. 
Good job, Eagle. See, I told you he's he's older than you think he is. But he looks young though. He looks young. He does. He does. But he's been playing a long time. I, I um, mean, I guess I have this affinity for him because I'm a lefty and he's a lefty. You know? I'm also lefty. I love Bubba. I love Mike Weir because he's also lefty. I love Phil Mickelson because he's a lefty. Yeah. Um, There's not a lot of lefties that are good nowadays. That's true. Well, because most courses are geared for right-handers. Though. Yeah, exactly. Well, most PGA courses anyway. Yeah. Um, Terry, the uh, Chris Paul looks like he might be on the move. The the um, the trade that's been most rumored is him going to the Suns. I feel bad for this guy because he he's always the guy that's tradable. When he every team he goes to, he basically like takes over the locker room and and really leads them. The right way, so I think that the, it's it's a good move for the Suns to go out and get him because they have such a young core. And like two or three years ago, we're talking about the Suns. Like in five years, these guys might be a contender and things like that because they're so young. Obviously, we didn't see that this year, but I think Chris. Well, Paul we did, but we saw in the bubble though. In exactly. the bubble, they, they won every game, but they exactly. didn't make the playoffs because they were so terrible in the pre-COVID season. So I think Chris Paul can help them a lot. Like a guy like Booker would benefit a lot from having a leader like Chris Paul around. Chris Paul is is one of my favorite personalities in the NBA. So, I really respect that guy. I like him a lot. He's a great player. Like, I, I am the NBA guy, and I like contract talk. I like CBA talk. I know I'm a fucking geek. I'm a loser, whatever. Um, the, the thing is, he has a $41 million salary. He's skyrocketing to a $44 million salary uh, next season. The In the NBA, you need to match salary. To make the trade. So the Suns have a lot of young pieces. And and when you're looking at the Suns, you're like, oh, well, once they get Chris Paul, they're gonna have Chris Paul and Booker and Ayton. And I know that I know that like to, to trade uh Chris Paul, you're gonna have to take on a piece like like Ricky Rubio. But you're not gonna just take Ricky Rubio, like you're gonna want one of those young pieces because you're giving up Chris Paul, right? Like yeah. so it's gonna either be some of that uh, three-point shooting uh, contingency that they have around Booker, or it's going to be... I don't think... The, the Suns won't trade Booker, but it might be Aiton. It might be DeAndre Aiton, right? Like, like they're going to have to lose a piece to do that, and I don't know if, um, if, the, if the Suns are willing to part with one of those two big pieces. Like, like, is there a big piece on the Suns that you can see that's not Aiton and not Chris Paul that, that you think they'll be giving up? Because how do you how do you convince them it's worthwhile? Because they have all these it's, key contracts with it, which are valuable, but who the who who's who's trading? You're gonna with? have to you're gonna have to sell the house. I think that you're gonna have to sell the draft all your drafts first round picks yeah, for the next the five years for sure. But, but the next five like, years, so, so the guys I'm looking at like Mikal Bridges, Cameron Payne, no, one of those enough. two is gone for sure. But not enough. They need something else. But that's what I'm saying. Like maybe Ubre Kelly Ubre Jr. Yeah, I just don't. I hope it's not Booker. And I mean, I think that I'm, I, I keep it on mentioning it. Can't be Booker. You no, because they. Yeah, I mean, Booker. that's it. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me. I mean, I don't know. I, I yeah, I guess maybe Ubre, but it's he's the only thing I can think of. The only and with three first round picks, three second round picks. You know, like just do it. Yeah, just well, it, Anthony it, Davis the like, fucking thing. If you're making your team, the, the the complicated thing about trading the the NBA is the first seven picks or so are valuable. And then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot yeah. where they might be valuable. But you, it's harder to predict. So um, if you can give up if, – if you're making your team better, then you're making your the picks value worse. 
So if you're taking on Chris Paul, you're trading your picks, but at lesser value at the same time that you're trading them, right? Like it, it makes it very complicated to manage. I think they have to do that now because they have high draft picks, right, for finishing so low. So I think the best time to be doing now. But well, yeah, you're gonna get this pick for sure. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna get you have to get. There's not a way to make this trade where you don't give up Ricky Rubio because the money. Um, and then, and then, like I said, you you need to dig deep. You need to like give up Mikal Bridges, Payne, maybe Ubre. Like you're gonna have to give up valuable pieces, uh, but that's okay because if you can keep Aiton. Booker and um, and Chris Paul, you can build the rest, right? Like you don't you don't need twelve great players. You need three, and then guys who can fill a role. Well, I think that's what we saw in every single team that was in the Final Four last year. You just need three or four max, and then you're good to go. So I mean, I, I, Chris Except Paul the Heat is a- somehow the Heat the Heat the Heat. I told you, I think I, I mentioned this in October that the Heat are the best team in a different sport where you play eight players at the same time. The Heat are be- they're a better hockey team. They're, they'd be a very yeah, good yeah, hockey exactly, team. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? Very good hockey team. Like, they can roll four lines. They can do all that. I think they're an excellent hockey team. But that's why But that's why they're in the talks for trades, for example, for Victor Oladipo, because mm-hmm. having that depth allows you to make trades. It doesn't allow you to win. It allows you to, to get the trades to get you in place that's to it, win. Exactly. Pat Riley's done that forever. I was actually watching – you mentioned Pat Riley. I was actually watching recently the uh, – the Pacers versus the Knicks, and it was Pat Riley coaching versus Larry Brown, and it's just beautiful to watch, you know, two yeah. of the ultimate best. Absolutely. It's crazy. I love the Charles Oakley, Patrick Ewing, John Starks on the Knicks, and then on the on the Pacers, you had Rick Smiths, Mark Jackson, Reggie Miller. It was such a it's such a fun series to watch. They showed it all on NBA TV. I was watching so, the other day. I love old basketball. Yeah, I grew up in a time. You and I grew up in a time. And I wanted to talk about I it will because say- – I know that it's your type of basketball, and I know I, I know you would appreciate it. It's, it's best basketball to watch, that late 90s, I, I, early so, 2000s. So I, I actually disagree because just the, the speed of movement, the speed of ball movement now and the shooting, like the shooting in the 90s was garbage. Oh. Like when guys made a three, it was almost a surprise. Well, it's because you, you had three seven-footers on every team. <laughs> that's it. Like, but like now you see Damon Lillard pulling up from mid midcourt, and it's the shot he's choosing to take. <laughs> it's not. It's not like he has to put it in the quarter. He's putting up with like four minutes left in the quarter, and he's he's making it like a a fifty-two percent clip. Like it's yeah. nonsense. It's nonsense. Anyway, we're gonna get to get talking about some serious sports betting. Um, we're gonna talk to the guys from InPlay Live. We're gonna talk to Andrew Pace and uh, Brandon Kyler right after this. This show is brought to you by Mike's BBQ Rub, home of the best rubs in town and La Salle's barbecue sauce. Peace. Just like Rubber Craft, I can't resist a good rub down, and Mike's Barbecue Sauce is the best rub down in town. So visit Mike's BBQ Rub, MTL.com, and use Hot Sauce 10 promo code for 10% off on all individual bottles. That's Hot Sauce 10 for 10% off, and don't forget to rub your meat peas. And we're back, and by that I mean obviously we recorded this show in order, and this interview was not recorded before the show. Uh, joining us now... Our two boys, well, one one dude actually from uh, InPlay Live, uh, his name is Andrew Pace, and uh, he's brought along live testimonial Brandon Kyler. Uh, Brandon and I go back some time, uh, Steelers fan, so we're uh, not going to hold that against him too much, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, so Terry, these guys, they are going to change not only our lives, but the lives of our listeners with uh, 
a different take on sports gambling and how you can make money watching sports, the thing that you and I love to do the most, obviously more than exercise because look at us. Yeah, because good, because all I do is gain weight and lose money gambling. So this is perfect. Yeah, it's, it's our two favorite things, absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. like pizza and gambling debt, is, is, it's on my LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, I'm the CEO of gaining weight on my LinkedIn. That's what it says. Yeah, so well, so pretty, so pretty much, so Pete, so I, I, I reached out to you because, uh, so recently I joined this membership, okay? So it's called InPlay Live, all right? Uh, I joined it on August 19th. It was during the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, so what happened is, so once I joined, so once I joined this program, basically what the program does is it teaches you sort of a different mindset uh, towards sports gambling. But me, what's really cool about it is I was never a, a big sports gambler at, at first. So I would only, I would do uh, predictions. You guys know the predictions on uh, Mise au Jure there where you have to choose mm -hmm. like... Uh, I, won, I won $17 once because that's how many people won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I picked all the favorites that week. Yeah, well, I so think I won so 13 out of 14 one time. Uh, that's the, the closest I got. So anyway, that was the closest for me to when it came to betting. So what happened was, so I found this Facebook ad, okay? And it was Andrew's In Play Live membership program. So what I did is I signed up to it uh, at the beginning. Yeah, I was like skeptical and all, you know, like everybody, you know, like, you know, because everybody, there's a negative aspect when it comes to gambling, you know what I mean? So for me, when I first saw it, so the way, the way it was sold, it was, it's called sports value investing. So I saw that's pretty cool. So I decided it, it was around 60, 65 bucks a month. So I, I signed up to it. I was like, okay, this is worth the risk. If, if at worst I'll cancel, you know what I mean? So I signed up. Uh, I followed Andrew's strategies and honestly, like, so this was August 9th, September 19th, which is two weeks into football season. I already made $10,000. I only spent $500 on bet three, six, five. So basically it, it, what it did, it was just like, it just changed my life completely. So me, what I wanted to do is to reach out to you guys. Cause I, I want to get it out to our community because like uh, it changed my life. I know that you guys are deep in sports. Like I am, you know, I, we've been, we've ruined the league for a while now. So uh, I wanted to have Andrew on this podcast. And I wanted to reach out to you and, and, and let's, let's get it out to everybody. That's awesome, man. I mean, Andrew, well, well, that's, we're speaking to Brandon. I don't know if we introduced him. So Brandon, that's, that's you. And uh, we, just, we just heard from Brandon and we have Andrew, I guess, CEO of InPlay Live or you work for InPlay Live. What's the, what's the status there? Yeah, so I guess my story, just really quickly, guys, not to uh, drain all your time up on the podcast. but ah, Take as much time uh, as you want, buddy. All right. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for having me. So, you know, I, I've been sports betting probably as you guys can all uh, agree with yourselves for uh, over a decade. Um, you know, kind of like what Brandon said, it starts with a few buddies making some parlays and some predictions and picks on a Sunday. And uh, just for me personally, I was kind of uh, came from an investment background and I, I just hated losing. And uh, when it comes to sports betting, that's what you know, they're designed to do over time. They're super fun, super exciting, can be super addictive. Uh, but ultimately, um, you know, they're there and they're designed for the sports books to make money off of us over time. Vegas always and, wins, uh, right? We hear it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So a light bulb kind of went off when it came to um, applying value investing strategies to the world of sports. And one of the best analogies that I like to tell people about is a roulette wheel. Everyone's gone into a casino before and they've uh, placed a, a bet on a roulette wheel before. There's 18 red spaces, 18 black spaces, and oftentimes there's one to three green spaces. And those green spaces, they act as the VIG. Uh, 
black and red technically are not a coin flip because of those green spaces. So when you place money on red or black over time, it doesn't matter which one you pick, you're going to lose money. And in the world of sports betting, what I like to uh, kind of have people imagine is imagine that you walked into a casino and for whatever reason, that particular day, you know, 90% of people were betting black. And so much so that the casinos decided that they wanted to actually mitigate their risk. They wanted to not have so much risk on paying out the people that bet on black. So they actually make red more favorable to bet on so that it doesn't double your money. But maybe, uh, you know, you place $100 on red and you actually get $120 back. And that's precisely what happens in the world of sports betting is that the public favors a certain side so much so that Vegas and the sports books will actually mitigate their risk by making one side of the game actually theoretically profitable um, from the standpoint of it being better than a coin flip to hit. So if we have, say, the Kansas City Chiefs at home playing the Jets, uh, the public might think that the minus 10 line is, is too soft. So they'll bet the Chiefs, bet the Chiefs, bet the Chiefs, bet the Chiefs to the point that that minus 10 line might actually end up at minus 14. And when that happens, the theoretical pregame coin flip was actually at minus 10. So if we can grab the underdog at plus 14, theoretically, um, you can make money over time. And uh, what I actually did, that's a, everything I just explained there was a pregame sports betting philosophy. And what I did is I went, if this can happen pregame, how can I take investment philosophy and apply it to in-play betting? And that's when my life completely changed. So I was was able to take a very small amount of money and turn it into hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So this season I started with $10,000 and I'm up over 125,000 since the start of the season. And honestly, what the real breakthrough for me was, wasn't actually doing it myself anymore. I knew that I could do it successfully on my own. A lot of people think uh, what I say is too good to be true, but the real uh, joy in it has been people like Brandon, where, uh, you know, we started this this company four months ago and uh, we didn't know if it was going to work. And now we have a whole series of people like Brandon who can come in here and say, hey, you know, I took a couple hundred bucks and turned it into over five figures uh, using our philosophies. So really what we set out to do was just to kind of take guys like yourselves, like I'm, I myself am in a touch football league. We play every Sunday morning at uh, 7.30 a.m. before the games start. Um, I play quarterback. So if wait, you guys wait, they make it 7.30 in the morning now? Yeah, well, well, we so t- we're we're on the West Coast. The games start at 10 a.m. here, so we have to be done, showered, clean, oh my God, no ready kidding. to go, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I play quarterback. So if you guys are ever looking for a below average quarterback in your league, uh, let me know. He's is know. a way below average quarterback. I'm, I'm <laughs> the most below, like like I'm even below below average. So yeah. I'm, I'm twice as twice as bad. So I well, he's at, like he said, below average. You're a below below average. So you know, maybe we should bring on Andrew. There you go. Because then what do I do? (laughs) Yeah, but honestly, that that's like our group of friends. I I looked at it and I was like, if I'm successful enough at this, I think it's something that that deserves to be shared so that people, you know, like Brandon and like yourselves that love sports, uh, you don't need to make a primary income from it, but you can at least stop donating, you know, part of your paycheck to the sports books every single Sunday, right? Uh, Uh, Andrew. What I'm getting, and, and obviously it's going to be more complex and, and you have your system and I'm, I'm happy that I didn't have to get a teaser out of you because sometimes we get someone who wrote an article or, or someone who, who has something that they want to sell, but they're, they're so scared to give a bit of that information away. But that's 
people involved. That's how you get people to buy in. So I'm happy I didn't have to do that for you. What you're talking about largely, and I'm sure there's more to it than that, is uh, you're looking at line movements, right? Because you're looking at uh, to see where the money is going. And because Vegas, as Terry started the interview with, Vegas always wins, uh, Vegas will move against the money. And then essentially you're siding with Vegas to a degree, right? Uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the strategies that has been profitable for me and definitely something that I, I love to do. But I would say that that's kind of uh, scratching the surface in the grand scheme of, of what we're, we're actually doing. If you, if you were, wanted to take that same analogy to a whole nother level, imagine, uh, you know what, I'll just give you an exact game. 2018, the Dallas Cowboys were playing the New York Jets. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys line opened at minus six. And by the time kickoff happened, it was minus 10. 90% of the public's money was on the Cowboys. So every sharp pregame sports better. These are guys that make a living. They all had the Jets at plus 10 uh, against Dallas in that game. What I was doing in that particular game was actually not only seeing the amount of pregame money that had moved the lines in play, but also during the game as the Jets were beating the Cowboys, guess what every degenerate Cowboys fan does? Right? Dump, okay. dump more money yeah, on Dallas. So not only, <laughs> they were dumping more money on Dallas. So not only do, did some go, of these pregame professionals have the line, I, I like to call it a boring 1.9 or minus 110 line before the game started. Not only did they all have 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 the that, which was a winner. The Jets, the Jets won the game and they covered the spread. But from an in-play standpoint, they maybe profited one unit at the end of that game. Whereas in that game, we can oftentimes profit as much as 20 or even 50 units just in one game from capitalizing on all those people continuing to favor Dallas throughout the game and getting really sharp uh, in-play props and lines throughout the game as it's happening. So, so February I just, I just, 5th, 2017, uh, Super Bowl 51, third quarter, Atlanta's up 28-3. to three. You're taking the Patriots. I can't see who just asked me that question. Wait, it's our producer. He's in the background. We, he's not good at, oh. He's not good looking enough for TV. Exactly. He's not as pretty as us. So he's off camera. He's off camera. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, so one of, our, one of our core philosophies, we actually call it the comeback. Uh, and that's where we look for uh, momentum swings on the money line for uh, teams to come back. I had New England in a big way in that Super Bowl, but there was actually a tremendous amount of value in, a, in another New England Super Bowl that we're not referencing right now, and that was the New England Patriots against the uh, L.A. Rams. So Brandon knows this all too well. One of our chapters, we refer to what the fans hate, but we love. And everyone the next day after that Super Bowl was talking about what a shitty game it was, and it was so unbelievably profitable for us because uh, everyone's hoping for a really high-scoring, uh, where-the-favorite-covers type football game and when it's going the other way and the ball isn't moving we're right there capitalizing on not just uh not just the plus and the under but every single play uh in between that, but i've often i've often said this and i believe this to be true um if you bet the under you're a terrorist i bet the under <laughs> twice last week i lost both because i'm a freaking idiot you're terrorist Right, right. And, and, and on to that same note guys with the this whole covid thing there's more points in the nfl than ever so yeah. one of the biggest things that we do is we constantly adapt Mm-hmm. Of course, so, of course. Uh, but boys, listen, but boys, we don't honestly. We it's rare that we touch that stuff, pregame stuff. We honestly just do. We do a lot of in the drives. We just watch the games in the drive as the game is developing. So you we, you have an edge. You guys know the game, right? So you just yeah. sit down. You watch the game. You you foresee what's going to happen. You have your book in front of you, and then you, we just strike. That's what we do. I mean, 
Brandon, you're, you're saying that you know we know the game, but I, I'm a Dolphins fan. He's a Cowboys fan. We obviously don't know the game that well. Uh, Brandon, <laughs> so we, we, we gave you guys the opportunity definitely to uh, tell us about the product, and it is absolutely interesting. And we're going we're gonna to get back to the end of the interview, but we're kind of a stupid show, so um, yeah. we, we, we need to engage in some stupidity with you guys. Yeah, Otherwise, one question. we're going to get question. smashed on Twitter. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> to start with Ontarian, and, and then you got, you got the yeah. next Question. I actually have a couple of questions, yeah. Uh, Brandon, what did you spend your 10K on? How much of it was strippers? And how much of it were those TVs in the background? Uh, so so I made like 40K. So I, my first 10K went to my wife. Uh, my second 10K, it's still in the bank. And the other 20K, waiting to be spent. <laughs> the bank is a <laughs> weird TV for strippers. We need more TVs. Bring them on. So I have, there, I have question. Five. Let's go. My stupid question is, is how can this help my golf game? Mm. Oh, no, baby. Nothing? All right. Oh, no, 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 man. Whose question is that for? <laughs> for Andrew. How, can, oh, if I world... use this concept, can I, save, can I shave 10 strokes off my golf game? That's what I really want to know. No, you're going to have way more fun golfing. The world of sports betting <laughs> opens up your eyes to betting on every single thing that you could possibly fathom. And golf is just so much more fun that way. We've oh, been yeah. on... Uh, uh, you know, shotgunning per hole based on missing, making putts, uh, you know, skins with uh, every extreme example of, of anything you could possibly bet on, right? My wife doesn't um, know this, but the, the uh, my, my day of golfing consists mostly of bets. Like, for the amount of strokes I take, you'd think that that's the thing I'm doing most often. No, it's making bets. Uh, Andrew, what's the most degenerate bet you've made in your life? Oh, the most degenerate bet. That I mean, anything when it talks to degenerate bets. Oh, I was telling this story actually today on uh, our In Play Live podcast. Uh, I had a 20-pick teaser last year, uh, two years ago. Um, down to the final pick, uh, and it was Miami Dolphins. So who's the Dolphins fan? This guy right here. Miami Dolphins against the New England Patriots. I needed New England to cover three and a half. They're up five with the ball with two minutes left. They punted it back to Miami with yes. uh, how many seconds on the clock? Ten? Yeah. Five? Not much. Miami Miracle. I would have won uh, I would have won fourteen thousand on that teaser, but the oh, Miami Miracle got in the way. See, my my most degenerate bet was I was um, highly inebriated with a friend. We ordered a pizza. My order was make it happen. And I gave him three to one odds that it would be all dressed over pepperoni. And pepperoni came in, unfortunately. So, so it's what it is. It wasn't a huge bet, but it is the, that's the most degenerate bet I've ever made. So I'll tell you my degenerate bet, and I have a question for Brandon. Um, my most degenerate bet is, that, you know, on Sports Interaction, I don't know if you're aware of the website, but they have this thing called Piñata Picks. Piñata Picks! Yeah. <laughs> so the Piñata Pick, I've done it a couple times, and I won once. I put 10 bucks down. I, I was on... Uh, it was a UFC fight, and I did. It was like Khabib winning in the fourth round by submission or something. And I put – that's what I got. That's what I gave me, and that's what they won. So I won like a 1000 bucks on it. It was 101 to 1. And then uh, I did one I did one where I put 100 bucks down because I'm a fucking moron. And it was Donald Trump getting 89 to 91 electoral college votes. So I'm an idiot. So I just wasted 100 bucks. Those are the, these are because I was I was being at the general. I was trying to recuperate some money. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make a quick I'm gonna make a quick buck here, tenth k, and I was gonna bounce, but it didn't happen. I wanted to be like Brandon. So like you, like, you, can, you can 
can chase yeah, you can chase Oregon, Oregon's late game, but if you're chasing if you're chasing like um, presidential presidential elections, I think that's that's a whole other level, Terry. That uh, was that was crazy. What were you saying, Andrew? I got to say two things to that. Number one, uh, uh, with 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 the pinata picks. Uh, so, and this is going to make all degenerate sports betters feel a little bit better about themselves. There are certain ways to keep your account open. When you're a winning sports better, you are not loved by the sports books. We're, we're quote unquote bad customers and they get rid of us quickly in uh, certain circumstances. Taking bad bets like that teaser I just told you about and the pinata pick, those things actually keep your account in good order. So that's really awesome. Number oh, one. So number, do it. All right. There you go. Yeah, there, there you go. The so problem is, Terry, that's yourself. all we do. N- number two is uh, the election. Um with our course, uh, we actually cashed in huge on the election, not on the winner. But when you learn enough about uh, different books and different opportunities, and especially things that the sports books aren't used to handicapping, we were actually able to get Trump to win a whole bunch of states at like 2.5 to 2.7, uh, plus 150 to plus 170 in American odds, and Biden on another site at those exact same odds on those same states. So literally just that's like walking down the street, seeing a hundred dollar bill and picking it up off the ground. Yeah. Uh, so it, it really a lot of our philosophies, they apply actually universally across not just across sports, but elections, finance, uh, stock market, et cetera. So, Brandon, my question to you is when what was the game that you bet on? What was the amount where you're like, I'm sold for in live for in play life? Uh, for me, it's uh, it's actually I'm sure you guys know him now. It's Travis Fulgham. <laughs> yeah. So after Travis Fulgham, uh, so with InPlay, we like it's funny. You guys, you guys are big big fantasy stars. Like, so what's gonna happen is if you do join the community, you you're probably you're done with fantasy. It, it, it completely completely is the like it changes. It's the completely opposite of fantasy. So like when I'm with my brother, he's voting for his fantasy guy. But me, I'm voting for, we're voting for the guy, you know, like the show, like, come on, man, or stuff like that. Yeah. The guys that we look for before it happened. So for my guy was Travis Fulgham. So just Fulgham in general, I think he made me like five, $7,000. Oh, wow. That, yeah. that helps no one. That's who we're looking for. Yeah, pretty much it. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. I mean, so so the concept the concept works. And Andrew, you're a, you're an actuary. Uh, did you did you study uh, math or just or you just because you, you said you were in uh, finance, right? So what did you study? Yeah, I was in finance before. I did uh, investments uh, okay, with okay. Uh, a whole series of different uh, corporate and individual and family clients, just uh, teaching the basics of uh, how to get your money into the stock market and grow your money over time. Not anything yeah. crazy as far as like uh, day trading or options or things like that, but a lot of like Warren Buffett type value investing long term. Oh, okay, okay. Type things, yeah. Really boring stuff. I'm <laughs> yeah, sold. The, uh, I was like the the thing I liked most about Warren Buffett was he invested in Dairy Queen back in the day because he liked ice cream and thought Americans like ice cream. Um, Eagle, the logic. You have any stupid questions? Uh, my stupid question might be more of a smart question, actually. So don't believe Andrew, you. you seem like you seem like a smart guy, um, but I don't think you're a prophet in this, right? Someone had figured this out ahead of you. So why in play live? Like, give me the thirty second elevator pitch. Uh, you know what's actually interesting is the entire sports betting industry is uh, actually geared towards selling picks. So there's a lot of guys out there that charge as many as much as five hundred dollars per individual pick. And the best pregame sports bettors in the world, they have a 3% edge, which means a 3% perceived profit over time. Um, so actually, 
there there isn't really a, a whole bunch of people doing what we're doing, at least from a business standpoint. So we're kind of the first company to do. Uh, we have a master class um, uh, on sports investing, uh, and the master class then comes with uh, live streams with me, so you can take what I'm wagering as I'm taking it, and a whole community of people educating each other. So uh, most people are just teaching you, um, selling you fish, as opposed to teaching you how to fish, and I think that's our biggest differentiator in the industry. So like that movie with Matthew McConaughey there, or what's it called? Uh, Two for the money, whatever it's called. So you're talking about those guys. That's what they were before. Those are the guys, the pregame betters, the three percenters kind of thing. Tipsters, they're everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We get a lot of those. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so that's cool. Honestly, it's it's really interesting. I I love the approach. It's something that um, I've used to a small degree when it comes to gambling. Like we said, we talked about like the the hedging and the 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 betting on. Uh, line movements and so on, but you, you guys really take it into the next level when it comes to uh, in-game betting, and, and that's why. That's why you guys are in play live. Uh, that was Andrew Pace and faithful testimonial Brandon Kyler. Really happy to have you guys on. We're always looking at ways we can engage our uh, fan base and get them um, to to just explore different things and try out different things. And uh, definitely, gambling is part of our, our our viewership for sure. So I'm sure they appreciate uh, this input. Thank you guys for joining us today. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. If anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Very much. I will have plenty. Go get it, Terry. <laughs> This show is brought to you by Mike's BBQ Rub, home of the best rubs in town and last Sal's barbecue sauce, please. Absolutely. They will get you satisfied in 12 seconds or less, just like Rick Pitino at that restaurant. So visit Mike's BBQ Rub, MTL.com, and use Hot Sauce 10 promo code for 10% off on all individual bottles. That's Hot Sauce 10 for 10% off. And please don't forget to rub your meat. It's time for rapid fire. Uh, what is the end of a legacy? Alex Trebek passed away from prostate cancer, if I'm not mistaken, this past weekend. Um, very sad day in game show history. Also, a uh, former Canuck, uh, born in Canada, and actually announced the Ottawa's uh, Ottawa Senators pick this year. There's a yeah. video actually circulating around of P.K. Subban uh, where Trebek gave him shit because he was a huge Habs fan. <laughs> and he's like, and you left the team. And just overall, just a gigantic loss for everyone. I knew that he was a Habs fan. I completely forgot. And Alex Trebek is an ultimate beauty. I remember, like, he's. I was watching Jeopardy the other day, literally the day before he died, and I was like, and he wasn't there. He was doing it via Zoom, but he was still working. You know what yeah. I mean? And I don't know. Like, obviously, it's probably it was probably like a month ago they recorded that, and well, a lot they filmed of... their last episode October something, and it's going to okay. air on Christmas Day. So the last gift to us from Alex Trebek. Okay. Yes, and he's great. And there's all those there's all those uh, viral videos of people saying uh, we love you, Alex. Like the guys, the contestants, instead of like they bid whatever amount of dollars it is, and they say, we love you, Alex, and it's great. And I was at Chapters, I was buying a gift for my mom yesterday, and the guy, and they had Alex Trebek's biography, like, at the counter, you know, yesterday, so. And um, so one guy pulls up to the cashier, and he's like, and he's and he goes, he's like, oh, Alex Trebek, uh, his book is out, but he just died, like, two days ago. How come he had so much, when did he write it? I'm like, uh, you know, like, there's, there's yeah. certain ways to, you know, go about, no go about things. There's no cure for stupid. And he kept on asking the same question. Boy, he just died. When did he write it? He was sick. How can he write a book? He was sick. It was obviously, you know what I mean? Like, just figured it out and made everybody I, around I, him. I, I like that. When did he write it with the implication that, like, do you want him to write it several years after he's dead? <laughs> um, so the thing is, um, celebrities have been passing away forever, right? That's just what happens. Um, people tend to take it hard, and I don't, and I kind of feel like an outsider, and I kind of feel kind of cold. This one hurt. 
Um, it hurt in the same way that Alan Thicke hurt in a way I couldn't explain. They just seemed like good-hearted people, and it sucks. And, and to your point, Terry, he was still doing his show. He was still working, and that showed his commitment to what he was doing. And when I saw him with P.K. Subban in that video, I was just like, yeah, this is why I like both those dudes. Like, they're, they're just fun-loving guys. If you gave me a list of guys, the top five guys I wanted to interview for the show, Alex, Alex Trebek would have absolutely made my really? top five. I, I absolutely. I'm not. I, would never, about this. I love Alex Trebek, but I would never would have thought to interview him. You know. I, I just every time I've heard him speak outside the show, he's been super interesting. He like you. You always think of, of game show hosts as being cardboard. He was the opposite. He was. He just had so much personality. Just a really genuine, nice guy. And how coincidence? Last thing, him and Sean Connery passed away. Classic, classic SNL bit. Yeah, that's Sean true. Connery that's a good point. Trebek. So I mean, they're they're somewhere they're in heaven right now. Somewhere talking to each other, and uh, and Sean Connery is uh, being a dirty old man and reading the reading the topics wrong. That's for sure. Next, Mr. Sure. Hurricane. A clause in the ownership contract of the Carolina Hurricanes indicates that if current owner Tom Dundon does not buy the team outright this month, he'll need to turn the team back over to previous owner Peter Caramanos. Uh, one, who the fuck arranged for that contract? And two, is that going to happen? Uh, no, it won't happen. Uh, they, they've already said that he's gonna he's gonna match the offer. Well, match the offer. He's gonna make the he's gonna make the bid. Uh, but Dundon is 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 he's a very unique person. He's a very unique when it comes to he's just one of those like fly by the edge of your seat kind of guy. He's uh, he's good for the sport of hockey, I think. And I think they, the NHL needs to do whatever to keep him. He he's a he's a he's like a free spirit. And I like I like the guy. Uh, a lot of people, they, a lot of people rip on him a lot, but he's just a very different human being, and I like the fact that we have that in, in professional sports because all these cookie cutter owners like Jerry Jones and Kraft and and uh, Arthur Blank, we don't need them anymore. We need the the guys that just have a sense of humor. Mark Cuban, uh, you know, even what's his name for the Clippers? Um, what's his name? I always forget uh, the Microsoft guy. Yeah, we've talked Apple about guy. him a thousand times. I can't think of his name. What the fuck? All right, what, so I'll do my what's thing. What's the owner of the Clippers' up? name? 100%. Eagle will look it up as we're going. Um, <laughs> Steve Ballmer, that's it. Ballmer. Steve Ballmer, that's it, yeah. yeah. Apple. Um, no, not no, Apple. I, Microsoft? I, I kind of, yes. I kind of oh. agree with you, Terry, and, and Alex, our intern, Alex, our <laughs> intern uh, was like, he was like, yeah, you know, it's karma. And then I looked it up and I was like, actually, I kind of like this dude, to be yeah. honest. Um, he, I think he's 100% going to hold on to the team. Um, this is not surprising to me because this is the same league where George Gillette bought the Montreal Canadiens with having less money than Hot Sauce Sports, he bought. Uh, this is a league where you, where the owner, where um, Spanos almost bought the Islanders with seventeen thousand dollars and tried to play it off as a typo, with no money. My God, I, you, I, see, I, you didn't I, see that documentary, the Thirty for Thirty, Big Shot. Yeah, I remember oh, it now. Yeah. But I'm saying, how do we not already own an NHL team? This is this is ridiculous. Crazy. It seems like anyone could buy one. <laughs> you'll you'll sell your car or buy a team. Yeah. All right, cool. Next, smokescreen. Apparently, Tim Tebow once refused to call a specific play in the huddle because the name of the play had a cuss word in it. What was uh, cuss my guess in terms Shit. of what it is is a play called Tight Pussy, which is all about penetration. Well, no. So the thing Fucking is, Eagle, like, man. Nailed it. Tight, tight Pussy tight is a good play, but it requires a lot of accuracy that Tim Tebow didn't have. The play was actually called the Oh Shit Screen. Um, oh Shit Screen, was, for real? That's what it is? Yeah. Um, and it was Come like on, a screenplay that they would. Sorry. Come on, Tim. Like you know. that's what I'm saying. So like, so I'm, you know what? I'm, 
I'm I'm kind of look. I know that Tim Tebow's a man of his faith, but yo, Tim Tebow, shut the fuck up, man. Just just call your play. Like I feel like at this point, he's he was just doing it to posture. He was just doing it because he said in a magazine he was gonna be a virgin. He said in a magazine, sense. "I love Jesus." And it's not real. Come on, stop pretending. Stop pretending. Unless, like hey, unless the unless the play was called uh, "Fade Jesus Christ," "Fade I Hate Jesus Christ," or you know, age. No, I mean, they have a play called the Hail Mary, so why not the Jesus Christ play? Well, because <laughs> Hail Marys are, are something that people do. For yeah, maybe maybe it's like a, a defensive a la blitz, right, where you send literally everyone, and the quarterback goes Jesus Christ when he sees everyone running at it. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think. He'd have a better case if the if it was called Jesus' butt plug. All right, next. Some Space Jam shit. John Ram was the man in Augusta during a practice session play the, video. What? Play the play the video. It's on the Hot Sauce Sports Instagram account. Thanks for the tag in this. No, I don't have it, obviously. Okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> there's a video taken showing him skipping a ball off the water onto the green and watched it roll into the cup for a hole-in-one. It's a pretty fantastic shot. I'm not going to lie. How is that possible? Like it just so it it's tradition. Unreal. It's a tradition that they do at the Masters, where all those guys meet at that hole. I don't know what hole it is, and they skip 16. it off the water. The 16th. 16. And it's the part. It's a part three on the 16th, and they skip it off the water. And it's a tradition. And 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 John Rahm is just probably he's top three golfer in the world right now. Yeah, so he is amazing. And the fact that he pulls this off is just crazy to me. I've skipped the water plenty of times, but it wasn't on purpose. Now oh, there it is. I've, I've dropped it in the water plenty of times, and we're seeing it skipping. It's uh, like seven times hitting the fairway, rolling down the green, <laughs> and it's nowhere near the hole except oh, it's coming back. It's this looping is around. Crazy. I wish. I wish. I wish he can tell me he did this on purpose. So here's the, here's the thing, Terry. Um, when you're seeing this, um, I actually think it's not entirely on purpose. I don't think he, he thought he was going to get a hole in one. Thanks for but, following Hot Sauce Sports Eagle. I don't understand. How come it asks you to follow? I'm not logged in, you idiot. <laughs> ah, fucking doofus. So <laughs> what I will say is um, when, you, when you see that ball hit, I don't think he planned to get a hole in one. No. But that was he knew that was the line to take, right? Because he's not hitting it at the hole. Like he knows if you hit it to this part of the green, Backstop. Yeah. it's gonna come back, right? So yeah. you and I, Terry, you and I basically pay, play the same two courses constantly. All the time. I don't have a single hole I know that well. I don't even I don't have the ability to carry it out. I don't even have the recall to remember that on this hole, that's that green. I, I, I will address you, though, a lot because of neither of you have caddies, though, right? Because that would be yeah. my job to remind you how that hole works. But I forget so a lot of things, but up. I know – I forget a lot of things, but I know – like I can tell you every, almost every hole that I play at the day of or maybe the week of depends on the course. Like I have a good memory for these things, like the patterns and stuff. Like, okay, this hole I did this, this hole I did this, but I can't tell you – like, oh, yeah, that green has a backstop that if I hit it at the top here, it's going to curl down here because I don't remember where the hole is placed. People always change the holes right to where the hole, where the flag is. So the fact that he can pull this off is crazy to me, and he's just an ultimate beauty flag. It's crazy. But another thing is you see how close the other ball was, which means another guy did that. But and it saying, up... They're all so good that they know that that's what they have to do yeah. on that hole, which is nonsense. Yeah. And to answer your question, please, no, it's not me that fucked up. You guys never invite me. Next. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do this. You don't want you there. No, the one time my lisp actually comes to be a good thing, Iron Penis, uh, Mike Tyson used a fake penis to pass drug tests. Wizinator. Who was the guy that used the Wizinator? Was it Ontario Smith in the NFL, played for the Vikings? 
Eagle produced that. Smith, yes. It was on Terry Smith. So, I mean, which who among us has never used the fake penis? Oh, that's how I got my wife. Exactly, yeah. You can't show what you have. It's not good enough. No, it's I mean, not. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty was... good in that department. For me, it's more like I don't want to invite well, you have another the person. So. Yeah. Okay, Eagle, this isn't a conversation for you, man. Like, yeah, it's it. not about you, man. It's about, me, it's about me and Terry and our small penises. Average, um, average. Yes, you have a vagina, I know. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, no, you, you need to bring that the first time around. And then once you marry her, it's too late because yeah. it's expensive yeah. to get divorced. So yes. show that early on. That's all I'm saying. Yep. That's and my attempt for unboxing. <laughs> so uh, thank you to InPlay Live for coming on. I mean, we can. Uh, Brandon already emailed me and he sent me all the information, so I'm gonna check it out. Uh, those guys were great, man. So check out InPlay Live if you know if you wanna have a chance at making some good money gambling. It seems like it's you know they have a lot of like a high success rate. So you know, uh, go play along with them, see what they see what they're up to. I know I'm gonna try it. So. Yeah, worst case, uh, you lose a bunch of money, which we're That's doing it. anyway. Which I was going to so, do anyway, man. So. <laughs> uh, Terry, you've been wearing a hat. Eagle, you've been awesome. I've been peas. The guys from Play Lies, they've been betting. And you've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. Did it play? You threw those betting ones in, so I had to cut you off in the middle of it, and then I played it again. So. Okay, nice. So we listened to Hot Sauce Sports twice. Yeah. yeah. Remember to watch, like, and subscribe to Hot Sauce Sports. I'm peas. Bye! Alright, I'm off. See you later. <laughs>